Hello, hello everyone. Happy Monday and welcome back to You Uplifted, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potential and power. My name is Safa. I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach. And as always, I feel honored and delighted to be able to bring such a wonderful guest to you today. My guest for today's topic and show is Stacy Boyer, and she is an absolutely beautiful and just radiant, radiant soul. Now, so you know a little bit more about her. Stacy is a licensed psychotherapist with a private practice in Coral Springs, Parkland, Florida. She specializes in anxiety, depression, stress, and PTSD and uses many visualization techniques as well as EMDR, RTM, CBT, and talk therapy to help her clients reach their goals and live their best lives lives. And as I said earlier, Stacy truly is just a beautiful soul. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you because we talked about so many different things from PTSD to anxiety to how to really use energetics and vibrations and go deeper out of rigidity and into like an open place and open heart for healing. Oh gosh, so much. So I'm going to let you listen to the interview in a sec, but just a little bit of a warning on the audio quality, unfortunately, because Zoom was being very stubborn. There's a little bit of feedback. However, stick with it. The interview's spectacular, and I know you're going to love Stacy. So without anything else to be said, here is the wonderful Stacy. Wonderful. Well, Stacy, hello and welcome to the You Uplifted podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining. I've been looking forward to our conversation and I'm now starting to like listening back to some of the episodes. I feel like a broken record because I say this to almost all of my guests, but the truth is I've been blessed with so much light through all of you. So I mean it. I'm so I've been looking forward to this all week. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. So have I actually. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Stacey, um, why don't we start at the beginning? Yes, let's give the listeners a little bit of a background story as to who you are, what you do, and, uh, and yeah, let's go from there. Great. So my name is Stacy Boyer, and I'm a licensed therapist practicing in South Florida, um, specifically Parkland, Florida. And if that name sounds familiar to some of your listeners, it's where there was that mass um, shooting at the high school, which is literally less than a mile away. So um, yeah, I've been, you know, I work with a lot of the students and families that are suffering from PTSD. And now, of course, you start to see like a cross-generational effect of stress and anxiety from these events. Um, And I'm certified in a type of therapy called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is really helpful for those suffering with PTSD. It's um, used with veterans and, you know, all all kinds of of people and, and various issues. And I also have a certification in RTM, which is, um, a less known type of therapy, which is reconsolidation of traumatic memories is what it stands for. And it is specifically for uh, PTSD. And of course, um, CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy and and basically just talk therapy. Um, I also was a teacher for years and I have a master's in education, but my true love is um, being a therapist. I also have a podcast called Namastasi, and um, and I'm in private practice, like I said, in South Florida. And my website is namastasi.net. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. I love it. Yes, and I've I've listened to your show, and it's absolutely beautiful. So I highly recommend it for the listeners as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, Stacy. You know, so. Everything that you just said resonates with me because I think that to a certain degree, and definitely correct me if this is a wrong assertion or assumption, but I think to a certain degree, all of us, if not most of us, have some level of PTSD in our lives just from experiences that have jarred us very deeply and that have left their mark. Of course, there's varying degrees of that. And I know that there is 
really, really deep sort of trauma in terms of experiencing something like what you said, the shootings, um, or even, you know, my partner who's a veteran himself. So dealing with things that are even deeper than that, but I do feel in general that as a collective, we all experience PTSD to several different degrees in our own lives. Would you say that that's correct or am I like... I I absolutely think so. And I think lots of times we think we're over something or you don't think about it for a period of time, whether it's a month or even a year or five years, let's say, and then something happens and it kind of brings you right back there. And that's an almost frustrating kind of feeling because you think you've gotten over something and then you have a trigger that brings you back. And, um, and actually, that's what, you know, with, with the shooting, lots of times this has triggered other things um, that were in these children and students' lives, and it just exacerbates everything. So absolutely, it's something that um, is really always going to be there. But the goal is to make it not so re-traumatizing, to make it not so difficult when we are triggered and we go back to that place, not as debilitating as it once was. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's true. I think a lot of times we end up re-traumatizing ourselves. And that can be a lot more jarring in many ways. I know because I've been there, I've re-traumatized myself accidentally a few times. And so it's like not, you know, the most ideal situation, which is why I'm always telling um, everyone that listens to the show. And whenever we've had guests before, I'm always saying it's good to have someone to work with, you know, Um, self-introspective work is important, but having someone to be there for you, whether it's therapist, a coach, um, or someone who's experienced in what it is that you're dealing with is so important. Absolutely. I mean, just the validation and sometimes just a listening ear. And it's true what you said. Sometimes you go through something traumatic and then the second traumatizing event, even though it's not maybe as awful as the first, it's it's almost worse. It almost mm-hmm. feels worse. And um, that's, that's a really, really difficult place to be. And that, you know, it's specifically with the RTM therapy, it's, it's really geared towards knowing that, you know, not to be fooled that you, that it's not there because it's part of your story and it's part of your life story. And hopefully it will eventually help you and others grow in ways you've never even imagined. But the goal is to kind of keep it there and make it part of your story, but not make it painful and make it easy to kind of talk about and share and help others. Yeah. And that makes it, oh, I've got some kind of weird echo there. Can you hear that? A little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just hoping it doesn't sound too bad on this end. Um, So, and that makes it so much more empowering than, than allowing ourselves sort of to stay in that space of reactivity. But Stacey, let's go a little bit into perhaps a bit of clarification to help the listeners, maybe if they haven't experienced it or if they think they have. Let's talk a little bit about what PTSD can look like, feel like, and how it presents in our lives. And then we'll kind of work our way down from there to a bit of anxiety. And um, I definitely have more questions about your your techniques, but little by little. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Well, I mean, PTSD could be so different for everybody. Um, the lack of sleep, the f- you know, flight or fright sensation, the anxiety to panic attacks, to agoraphobia, not wanting to leave your home, to, I mean, the gamut runs completely. You know, there are many, I've worked with um, veterans who literally wake, hear a noise in the middle of the night and wake up and they're so hyper vigilant that they're running around the house and they're screaming at their kids and hide and because they're, it takes them right back there. Mm-hmm. But what is most prevalent is the panic attacks, the sleep, just, you know, just not sleeping, sleeping too much, the, the hypervigilance, the racing heart, the sweaty palms, the sometimes not even wanting to be around anybody. So the social anxiety that comes with it and all of these things kind of spill into your personal life and can spill into your work life and affect so many areas of, of your life, really. Yeah, definitely. Well, and then as someone personally who has dealt with panic attacks and anxiety in my own life, mm-hmm. hey, it's so it can feel so debilitating. 
you know, and sometimes it could be so scary. I will never forget the first time I had a full blown panic attack. I was still working for a rental car company, which shall remain nameless. <laughs> and uh, the stress, I think, between that and what I had going on at home and with my own healing journey had become very intensified. And I was by myself that one day. And I remember feeling as if I was going to have a full on heart attack. I mean, I had to run into the back and lock myself in the bathroom and just basically throw myself on the floor. Um, thankfully, this is where, for me at least, the practice of yoga and the breathing techniques and the mindfulness and the awareness have come into play in my life where now I've got tools that I can look to help me move through and in and I say those things and sometimes I think a lot of people get um, overwhelmed or intimidated by the use of like oh meditation yoga but I will say sometimes something as simple as like throwing yourself into a cold shower can help a bunch yes yeah <laughs> and that is a technique right just splashing water on your face putting ice on your face to kind of snap out of it I mean I've even had you know, clients that wear literally wear, and obviously I don't condone hurting yourself, but wear a rubber band and oh, on the sure. wrist. And it's, you know, they literally snap it to have that tactile feeling of snap out of it in hopes that their mind will kind of, you know, go to a better place. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the, the deep breathing because I can't tell you how many people I talk about deep breathing and they kind of breathe into their chest. And I'm sure you know all mm -hmm. about this. So they breathe into their chest and it's causing more of, of panicky feeling mm -hmm. and that hyperventilating lightheaded feeling and they're not really breathing correctly and it's something that you know we all think we know how to breathe but to truly breathe you know through your nose get it into your belly and I think that's the part that gets confusing to really get that air all the way down you know into your stomach and then breathing it out slowly through pursed lips um, is something that so needs to be practiced when you're not feeling anxious or panicky so you can draw upon it quickly and easily when you are in those, you know, dire situations. And I always like to tell my clients, once you kind of get that down pat and that's easy, when the air is in your stomach, and I'm sure you do this in yoga as well, you know, to have a, a like a mantra or something mm -hmm. that is personal to yourself, like, I will get through this, or I can do hard things, or this too shall pass, or what you know, whatever it is that makes you feel good, to say that when the air is in your stomach, and then slowly breathe it out, and I think that's so so helpful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. There's always this something. I I like to work with my clients in terms of mantras and then vis uh, visualizations, which is a word that I always have a really hard time saying. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that visual sense or the tactile sense, things mm -hmm. like those. So since we're talking about these things, Stacey, let's take mm -hmm. advantage of it a little bit and go over perhaps some of the most important tools um, or at least five or three of the best practices that we can use to help us when we are dealing with PTSD. Okay, so which is also helpful with panic attacks and anxiety and all those things. I love to teach grounding. So when you're out and about, and I, you know, I certainly did this even at the grocery store because we're in just such crazy times mm -hmm. and um, we just don't, you know, really know what to expect or know what the future will bring. And I think it kind of this time of COVID has sort of exacerbated everything too, you know, and, and people that are feeling depressed, maybe they're not pinpointing it to COVID, but maybe it's worse because of that. Or if you're anxious, maybe you're more anxious because of COVID or you're more stressed. So it's kind of making everything kind of worse and, and to put on top of that people losing their jobs and, and all of the other things going on. So with grounding, um, that is a technique where you use all of your senses to keep yourself in the moment. And you had mentioned mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's key to be mindful. That's like the goal, because when we're anxious, we're thinking of the future usually, and we're having anxiety of, of the future and wanting to control the future. And when we're feeling depressed, we're thinking about the past. Mm -hmm. and I should have, could have, would have done this. And so we're, you know, 
kind of perseverating on the past. So the goal is really in life is to be in the moment and to be present and to be mindful. And it's just doing that. And so grounding certainly helps with that. And that is using your five senses to keep you exactly where you are. So if you are, I don't, you know, say you are at the grocery store, let's say, finding five things in your immediate vicinity that you see and name them to yourself and four things that you smell and three things that you can touch and two things you can hear and maybe one thing you could taste or pretend tasting right in your line of vision. And that kind of keeps us centered and takes us exactly to where we need to be in the present. Um, and that's one I really, really like. I I also love the, the safe space visualization. And the safe space visualization is something that, you know, you practice again when you're feeling calm and feeling relaxed and you visualize the most beautiful place you can imagine. And not only the most beautiful place, the place where you feel the safest. And again, it's mm -hmm. personal to everybody. So maybe it's a place you've truly been to. Maybe it's a place you want to go to. Maybe it's a place you've seen in pictures. And try to visualize all the vibrant colors and try to pr pretend what it would smell like to be there and what, you know, if it's the beach, the ocean crashing, or if it's the mountains, maybe the cool air and do this a lot, just like the breathing. So when you're in a situation where you're feeling panicky and stressed, you can again, draw upon that, that really beautiful place. Um, I, also love the comfort objects and I know a lot of teachers use that with students maybe not now because they're not in the classrooms but especially with young children you know bring in your comfort object but why can't we as adults do that too and maybe you have something that can fit in your pocket or purse or backpack that when you touch it gives you comfort and even if it's a crystal or a rock or you know, what, um, one of those squeegee balls or, you know, whatever it is that when you reach your hand in there in your pocket or whatever it is, you can feel the sensation of it. Is it cool? Is it warm? Is it sharp? Is it pointy? Is it smooth? And this way you're, you're getting your attention. The goal is to get your attention from those distracting kind of yucky thoughts and on this object and focusing your attention on that, that comfort object. So mm -hmm. those are some that I, I like. Um, as far as the um, EMDR therapy, and I always encourage people to, to seek out therapy because it is such a, you know, and it's a personal thing again, and you have to find a therapist that you really connect with. And, and that's okay to go to several until you find someone that you feel that can help you and that you click with. Um, but the EMDR is more of, uh, it's less of a talk therapy and you basically use a tapping um, sensation or you use these vibrating little, um, I know we're, we're not on video, but these vibrating little keys uh, <laughs> that you hold and they one vibrates in your right hand and the one in the left hand. And it, the thought is it kind of uses both parts of your brain to help with the PTSD. So that's like a super brief explanation of, of what that is. Oh my gosh. I love that. There, there are so many little things that I want to kind of touch on as I'm listening okay. to you. <laughs> so, which is great because thank you so much for all the beautiful information. Um, first, Yes, absolutely. I'm a huge believer in, again, working with someone who's going to help you. I can't tell you how much I truly think that working with my therapist truly saved my life. I mean, mm. it just is so wonderful to have that there. And, and also important, like you said, validate yourself in the fact that you're looking for something that's there to heal you, which means if the person you start off with is not right for you, move on. It's fine. It's acceptable. Um, and don't invalidate yourself in that search. Um, also, I love that you are bringing up these also very tactile ways of grounding, because I think a lot of times, and especially like at least in the world that I inhabit, which can be a bit more woo-woo, right? <laughs> we can get a little bit esoteric and we'll say things like, oh, ground down, you know, go out, go out into nature, put your feet into the earth. And, and all of these things work. They are absolutely marvelous and I stand by them every step of the way. But I do understand that for some of us, especially because each and every one of us sees the world 
very uniquely. Um, for some of us, that sounds too much. It sounds too out there. It sounds too, you know, ridiculous. But the idea of really grounding into the present moment and basically going through a list almost of this is where I am. This is what I'm listening to. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm tasting. This is what my heart is doing. This is that actually is also a very powerful grounding tool. And I think sometimes it can be a bit more approachable. At the same time, I like the fact that you were talking about about holding something, you know, like maybe physically grabbing onto a crystal or something. Because listen, even if you're someone who doesn't believe in energetics or mm -hmm. doesn't understand energetics or who thinks that anyone who has a crystal or a collection of crystals like myself is a total mm -hmm. weirdo, <laughs> let me say, look, if it helps you, mm -hmm. then it is medicine. That's so right. and if it helps you, it is healing you. So don't be... Hmm. I would like for us to find spaces within our lives where perhaps we can pull away from rigid thinking and where we can have a bit more fluidity and more openness to the fact that, okay, this, this is silly. You know, I'm going to have a crystal in my bra all day and that's not going to do anything. But perhaps it will. Like perhaps you've got this one point during the day where you're just about to lose it. You just had it. And all of a sudden you remember your little crystal and it starts bringing you into presence. It brings you into mindfulness. It helps you rebalance. It makes you feel safe. You know, like your safe space you were talking about. Sometimes the safe space isn't even like a place place, but a sensation or um, <laughs> a memory, a smell, a taste. You know, all of these things, a feel, a sensation, all of those are absolutely wonderful tools to use. Um, and I like talking about that also because to me the way that i understand life and the universe is that everything exists in terms of light vibration and energy so mm. you know you bring all of these elements together and you can feel them you know it's like whenever you're sad you play a sad song and you get even sadder <laughs> you uh, but you're able to get all of the emotion out or if you um like i said if you've had a memory of someone very dear who used to cook you like baked goods you know and then you eat that baked good and all of a sudden your day gets you know 10 times better than it was all of these things are actually very healing powerful tools um which actually brings me to my next my next question for you because i would love for you to get a little bit deeper into the work that you do um with your with the tapping a little bit and with everything else because i know that for many of us these are new tools new techniques new practices that again may seem a little out there but i think they're right up there like you said you've got these two things that vibrate yeah you're going to respond to that because you're made of vibration so i would love for you to go a little deeper into that okay and i you know i love what you're saying about the energy and i know you know not everybody is kind of on the same page with us but it is true when you walk into a room you know you kind of feel the energy um you you kind of feel the energy in different different aspects of our life so it's 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 there um and i also you know i had i was talking about holding a crystal or a rock with somebody um and they and when then i mentioned the squeegee ball and that kind of was like oh yeah yeah i keep one of those in my car so it's almost like you said, kind of being open to other things and not having that rigid thinking and for myself not to have the rigid thinking too, that, oh, this person is understanding it in a different way, but it, that works for them too. And when they squeeze that squeegee ball, that helps them kind of, you know, get their mind elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so the, the, well, okay, so first the RTM, which again, a lot of veterans use as well, that's a visualization where you visualize a movie screen. And again, lots of, not everything works for everybody, just like not every therapist is for everybody. And like you were saying to be opened and if one person or one type of therapy doesn't work, it's okay to try something else. It's okay to move on and you should for yourself move on and not be stuck anywhere. Um, so the, the RTM is you sort of have to visualize something and a movie screen quickly. And then you visualize it black, black and white. And then you have to, of course, this is an abridged version of it. And then you have to visualize it backwards. And then you have to visualize it in color. And then you visualize it in black and white again. And again, what this does is 
help you realize that this is a part of your life. This is not going to go away. And any therapist or anybody that tells you that these things are going to just disappear, it's, it's, it's not. Um, mm -hmm. But you can get to a place where it's okay, where you can kind of talk about it and not go into a panic attack or not have incredible anxiety or not burst out into tears. And I've, I've seen it firsthand where a veteran can not really discuss something. And then when they go through the process of this visualizing and visualizing it quickly and pretending it's a movie screen and visualizing that it's black and white and visualizing it backwards and all these things, then they can sit and tell the story and it's like I'm speaking right now. There's no real even inflection in their voice. They just kind of tell it, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that seems to be really helpful with them. With the EMDR, which has become more and more popular, and maybe it's just become more and more popular here because of what happened at the high school here. Um, it's kind of like a buzzword type of therapy. Um, and again, it doesn't work for everybody. And some people prefer talk therapy and, you know, whatever else, the CBT, which we could certainly talk about too. But the EMDR, um, I have been doing it via telehealth now. And of course you can't, you don't really have anything tactile in your hand when you're doing it. So um, I have clients kind of cross their hands in front of them and their right hand is tapping their left shoulder and their left hand is tapping their right shoulder. And, um, and that's how the, therapy, the tapping is done. So basically you start by doing some of these kind of uh, safe space activities first and something called a container activity first. So they know that if they're starting to ab react, which is, you know, have a reaction that is scary or sad, they can kind of go to this place. So it's, you take time practicing the safe space and the container again, is something that is hard for some people and some people don't have a hard time doing it. And you visualize a container, any container that you wish, whether it looks like a treasure chest or um, just a, a brown carton or whatever it is. And some people want to visualize it with um, little file folders inside. Um, but what it is, is for the time when you're not with the therapist, you kind when you have these thoughts, put those thoughts in that container. Visualize those thoughts going in that container because perhaps now is not the time to focus on them and file them in there. And then when you're with your therapist or when you're feeling like you can tackle them, then take the files out. So it's, it's, practicing, it's practicing all of that. Um, and then we talk about um, negative cognitions. So, and this is an interesting thing. Um, it's an I statement. So when something traumatic has happened, especially when you're a child, but as an mm -hmm. adult too, mm -hmm. you internalize it. And uh, let's say, you know, whatever the traumatic thing is, the therapist would have the client turn it into an I statement. I am you know, this is something that caused me to feel a certain way. And how did I internalize it? I am a bad person. You know, if something horrible happened that they saw or they were a part of, they internalized it by saying, I am a bad person, or I don't deserve good things, or I am mean, or whatever that I statement that's faulty, that this person has constantly replayed in their head. And it, um, it deals a lot with changing that faulty cognition and that I message that's replaying and replaying and replaying that isn't necessarily true, that doesn't serve you, and is also keeping you back from having the life that you want. And so then we work on um, what would you prefer that I message to be? I am okay, I am safe, I am a good person, I am happy, you know, whatever they choose that I statement to be that's going to then replay in their brain. Um, so, and that's when you start the tapping and using both sides of your, your brain to kind of uh, work through the issue. And it, basically the therapist will say, go with that. And they kind of just say a sentence of what they're feeling when the, you know, say 60 seconds of tapping is done. And the therapist will say, go with that thought. And they continue to tap. And then something else comes to mind. And they tell the therapist that that sentence or that feeling. 
and then basically go with that feeling. And that's done for, for quite a while until they get to a, a more positive place. Um, and then the positive cognition is then re-embedded in their mind. And, um, you know, you kind of go from there. And I don't know if that's too confusing or too in detail, no. but it's really <laughs> changing, changing that negative cognition because we, we do, we do that a lot. We, we perseverate on these negative thoughts that really don't serve us anymore. And I think a lot of times, um, what we or how we've learned to behave as a child or how we've learned to behave to get us through something awful as a youngster or a teenager or even a young adult doesn't really serve you as an adult or for your future so it's unlearning those behaviors that are so and thoughts that are so ingrained in us when we're younger that no longer serve us in adulthood yeah, it becomes a level of rumiation, and it's something that yes. I um, talk about all the time, which in you know my verbiage is is called a story or a core wounding. But it's exactly it. It's something that um, that we kind of all have assigned a meaning to, depending on what our subconscious decided, <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. and it goes from there. But you're right; it just becomes something that stays, and it goes back and back and back and back. So I love the idea of sort of trading one vibration for the other, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like, yes. okay, yeah. It's just like you ran with this for a while. Now let's see if we can change it by physically feeling the vibration of how this actually is and where it's landing in, in our bodies. So I absolutely adore that. And I think that one of the first times I actually came across tapping um, was I was, this was, oof, uh, let me see if I, 12 years ago or something like that where we were taking a class that was it was labeled yoga if I'm being honest it was not but it mm -hmm. did have to do a lot with tapping and I know we, we tapped our bellies and we tapped our shoulders etc but I do remember that was one of the first times where I came out of somewhere just feeling like oh um, something needs to change Something here is feeling stuck and something here is making me have this very like visceral reaction. I want to know what it is. I think it was one of the first sort of moments of like clarity around certain things that I'd had. So I absolutely love, 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 love that. And you know what? I'm actually thinking, Stacey, does it feel like it's somewhat the opposite, but at the same time also very similar to experiencing almost like a sensory deprivation kind of thing? Yeah, you know what I would I would think so. And I think when you're when you're kind of stressed or having PTSD, you're kind of in this one track mind kind of situation. And when you're using your other senses, maybe you're right, you're onto something there. It kind of opens you up, like you said, not being so rigid, not being so focused, not you know, just no longer in survival mode. Like you don't have to live there in that space anymore. And maybe it's just somebody kind of opening you up to another vision, another story, like you said, a new narrative. You know, if the negative or if this train of thought hasn't been working, let's try something new. You know, mm -hmm. why stay in that place? Yeah, absolutely. And then it's getting us out of that space, which I think puts us more in proactivity and creation, mm -hmm. which I, I love. You know, those are two of my favorite topics. I love that, Stacey. And you know what? Let me take advantage of this to kind of move the conversation in a bit of a different direction, too, in terms of I would love to talk about some preconceptions or some misconceptions around anxiety and PTSD and all of this, especially as it pertains to the younger generations, because I know that I've got people in my life who've struggled with it, including myself, by the way, at a very early age. And sometimes because we, we like to think, I think as grownups, that the younger generations are free and happy and just like go lucky all the time, that they couldn't possibly mm -hmm. experience the same level of like, ah, uh, you know, that we do. Um, that we sometimes bypass them a little bit when they're telling us or they're presenting symptoms of anxiety or all of that stuff. So if you could kind of address, I know it's a very broad, broad question, so I'm going to let you kind of take your time with it, but I just was curious. And, and I just, I love, well, first of all, I love what you're doing with the destigmatization of mental health and of anxiety. And I feel like if anything, it's, it's more open and more 
easily talked about now and more accepting. And, and I mean, I, I see it. I see it as well. And I also see teachers even implementing it in their classrooms. I know, you know, through Zoom classrooms, I guess it's hard, but the deep breathing and even mm -hmm. yoga in the classroom with gym teachers. And, and, I, and I think it's just such such an important, important thing. Um, so I think with teenagers and middle school is a really, really tough time too. And young adulthood, we kind of get again trapped in these in these thoughts. And you know, those nine thinking habits that kind of we get stuck in the, you know, I can't kind of habit of thinking, or um, the big one is the catastrophizing habit where you know you expect something horrible, horrible is gonna happen and you feel panicky and anxious because you're just going straight from zero to 60 and just it's just all going to be awful and I think a lot of young adults and, and teens do that mm -hmm. or like um, the all or nothing habit where you live in extremes like it's it has to be totally perfect or it's just completely awful and there's no kind of gray in the middle um, lots of times we kind of zoom in on the negative and that that's a habit too, just kind of zooming in on the negative instead of realizing the positive. Mm -hmm. um, again, we talked about the should, could, would, I should have done this, I should have, I could have done that. And um, uh, let's see, the, the fortune telling, like wishing it could have been this way or thinking, oh, I'm just going to mess up anyway. And so then you become unmotivated and depressed and, and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, another really big one is is the mind reading habit where, you know, you, you think that you're reading the mind of somebody. And of course, it always goes to the negative. And mm -hmm. then you feel unsure about yourself and you feel anxious about yourself. And I you know, the truth is, we think that people are kind of thinking a certain way about us, but the truth is, most people, unfortunately, really are definitely have like an egocentric side of them. So we think everyone's thinking about us or talking about us, especially teens. And the truth is, maybe they are for a minute and then boom, they're on to something else because people tend to, um, you know, be self centered and not fixated on really anybody else. So that's it's almost you know wasting your time doing that um then of course there's the blaming habit where you think oh god everything's my fault and and whatever happened is because of me and then i notice a lot of teens doing the um it's not fair like nothing's fair and mm. i'm not treated right and, and you know this is and it's it's really an unrealistic kind of thought pattern um and all these the worry like what is it, 90 or maybe it's even 99% of the things we worry about never even happen. So mm -hmm. here we're spending all of our time and energy worrying about something that's never really even going to happen. Um, and again, you know, the mindfulness is, of course, so helpful with that. Um, so those, and I, I, I see that a lot with teens and young adults. And I think that Therapy for worry. So another type of therapy is CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. And what a good thing to practice is challenging your thoughts. So we think, you know, wow, we're smart and we have these thoughts and we should just believe our thoughts. But the truth is we shouldn't believe every thought we have and we should question our thoughts. And what I mean by question is, you know, questioning the likelihood that this really will happen. Will this really mm -hmm. happen? And then saying to yourself, like, what is the best case scenario? You know, why go to the negative? What could potentially be like the very best thing that could happen? And then questioning what's most likely. Is it most likely to be this like awful, awful, awful thing? Or is it most likely to be something positive? And then other questions are, you know, has your worry actually come true? And if the worst happened, how would you deal with it? How would you cope with it? What would you do? Would it be that bad? And um, you know, another thing that I really like to say is, what would your friend say if you, you know, if, if you told your friend this situation or if your friend was going through this, what would you say to them? Mm -hmm. And then why are you not saying that to yourself? And it's like so many times we are, you know, nicer to our friends and colleagues than we are with our own thoughts. And that's practice too, practicing kindness and acceptance of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a biggie.
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much because I, I do, I, I, <laughs> I feel that in every part of my body is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's something that I'm always sharing with my clients is listen, how you speak to yourself is definitely um, always very different to how you speak to others. And it tends to be a very negative way of speaking too, because you would never in a million years speak to anybody the same way that you speak to yourself. And that I think is very telling. Also the remembrance, and we've spoken about this on the show before too, but just to, to recap and to remind people um, that you are not your emotion. Just because you're having it and because you're experiencing it doesn't mean that you are it. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit hard to recognize and to work through because it feels so intense. You know, periods of grief. Um, I'll actually disclose, I'm actually going through one myself after just having to, uh, at the time that you and I are recording this, because by the time that this actually plays, this would be a little bit past this. But at the time mm-hmm. where you and I are recording this, my like little sweetheart of a dog God sake, and I had to let her go. So I'm in the oh process of grieving. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been that. difficult. It's been difficult, but yeah. I'm in the process of. I think what's been good about this is that I can see where I'm grieving, and I can let myself feel mm-hmm. all the things I'm feeling without embodying them. You know, in terms of like I'm not them. You know, whereas before oh, that would have been very. Because if I knowing myself, when if this would have happened, let's say seven, fifteen, thirteen years ago, something like that, I would have probably spiraled out into the depression hole. Yes. And that's such a great way to look at it. Like if you're experiencing depression, you are not depression. That's something you are experiencing and that will pass. And just with anxiety too, you are not anxiety. It doesn't define you. It's something you're going through and that will pass too. So I, I love that you're, you're saying that. Yeah. It's and it's hard. it's hard to remember because at times there's sometimes emotions, it can be so powerful that it's difficult to remember kind of where they begin and where we end or vice versa. You know what I mean? So I think that for anybody who's listening, take heart and know that you are definitely not that. You're not your grief. You're not your anxiety. You're Mm -hmm. definitely not your PTSD either. You are so much more. You are experiencing that though. And it is valid for you to experience those things. Cause the other, one of the biggest pet peeves in my life is when people, um, and I don't think they do it on purpose or maliciously, but they can sometimes be dismissive when yeah. they've not experienced something themselves, you know? So if you're in that space where maybe someone has just said the proverbial, Oh, just let it go or just move on. Mm. <laughs> Uh, don't feel badly. You mm-hmm. absolutely have the right to be and feel um, yeah. and experience those things. And you are valid. Don't let anybody invalidate you is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, everything you're feeling is valid. You're right. And we're all, like you were saying before, we come from such vast and different backgrounds and experiences and schemas. So schemas is, you know, kind of your what's in your mind of what you've, you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the simple, like you said, the simple validation is such an important thing. Like you're not looking for really any advice or anything. It's just kind of someone to listen to and to validate you. And I think that's a great message to, to put out there, especially when people don't really know the right thing to say, mm-hmm. just, you know, sitting there and listening and validating and being an active listener. Absolutely. And I will say, I mean, I know that it can be difficult to hold space for each other and it can be extra challenging or it can be an extra space for you to grow into, to hold space for someone who is struggling with severe depression and anxiety and all of these things, because it's a lot, but it is not about us fixing the discomfort that comes through for us with in the space of that person's reality. It's about simply being there and showing up and allowing ourselves to almost be in presence together. You know, no one needs to fix anything. Things don't necessarily need to be made better. Like I'm laughing at myself a little bit now because, and this is a few, I think this was like a few months back. um, I was going through yet another sort of poly change in my life and in talks with my partner I think he also and he was trying to make me feel better but I remember telling him hey don't try to cheer me up just let me be let me be sad 
you know, and I know that that, and he's great at holding space, by the way. So he's mm-hmm. kind of a pro, but still, we can all always learn more. Um, yeah. I think sometimes it just takes that little bit of cognizance on our end to acknowledge that maybe we're trying to fix things or we're trying to go above or beyond what's happening because it's making us feel a certain way. Absolutely. And I, you know, I see that with couples counseling where the man, you know, that old book, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, it's it still rings true where the man, you know, he thinks he's being supportive and loving by just, you know, oh, just do this. Oh, you know, okay, do that. And that's his way of showing love where, you know, the, the wife is just kind of like, I don't want, I don't want to be fixed. I don't want you to say anything. I just kind of want to vent. I want you to be there and be in the same space as me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's great to kind of have that conversation conversation before it gets to a difficult stage let's say (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and like I said it's it's anxiety depression trauma all of these things are things that we all experience differently and in different ways and we all also see the world very uniquely and personally so perhaps it's just about reframing yourself a little bit and understanding, oh, you deal with trauma in this way and I can definitely hold space for you in that that way. Um, So yeah, I love all of that. Uh, Stacey, these conversations fill my soul with so much joy because I feel as though the deeper we go into connection with self and the more we explore different practices and different ways in which we can ultimately grow and heal and hopefully bring new life and new creation into the world. It's just so hopeful. It tells me that we are all moving in the direction of light, so to speak. Oh, and I love to hear that. And it it does give give you hope, doesn't it? That uh, there's there's good out there. And you know, and it and it stems from just one person like you putting it out there to focus on gratitude, you know, like I tell my clients waking up and I know to some people, again, it might sound cheesy or silly, but to wake up before you do anything, before you put your feet on the ground in the morning to have gratitude. And if, if you can't think of anything, you know, I'm grateful for the bird that I hear chirping outside or, you know, to find something that you're grateful for and, and to kind of do that before you go to bed at night too. And when we were talking about um, the negative, you know, teachers are supposed to, when if they have to say something negative to a student, back it up with three positives. And like you were saying about being nice to yourself, it's like, why don't adults do that too? If you say something negative, back that up with three, you know, maybe start with two, but back it up with three positives for yourself too. Um, And if you can't remember, you know, and then writing it down and and repeating it often. (laughs) Wow, I got little goosebumps when you were saying that. Yeah, that's just one more way to show love and compassion for yourself first too ultimately because and I think I refer to and I relate to the feminine very deeply in my own life because for so long I didn't and so now it's become this huge passion of mine so when I say things like specifically more so for the feminine uh, Mm. I mean it in in a sincere and not in a uh, um, separatist kind of way but I'm trying to say that for us the feminine tends to lend a bit too much of itself too freely all the time and then we ran out and then we tap out because we don't fill ourselves first and it's like you said fill yourself first so that way you can say oh wow well I just called myself a dummy hold on (laughs) three great things about myself and it starts to reframe everything and that energy will be felt by every part of your body too yeah and I love that you're saying that because I think you know we were you know all females were sort of possibly not all, but a lot of females were raised with um, that kind of thought process that you need to take care of everybody else first and you need to be quiet and you need to be a good girl and on all these things and be ladylike. And now, you know, we're seeing, well, take up space. You're important too. And you, you matter and you, you know, you need to kind of put your um, mask on like using the airplane reference, put your mask on before doing anybody else's. Like you said, fill your cup up first before having to do anything else. Because I do see that a lot too, just talking about, the, for example, the couples counseling where 
the you know female does and does and does and does and does and does and does mm-hmm. and then not that the the husband doesn't but she she feels like she does so much and um you know and then she gets to this breaking point and then they're screaming and, and irritability and you know and the husband's like what is going on and where did this come from you were so sweet and nice that two seconds ago but it's true you you give and give and give and do so much that there has to be a breaking point and I think the yoga and the meditation and all those things the the exercising regularly and really trying to sleep those seven to eight hours per night and really trying to connect with others and limiting the social media, what are they calling it now? Social media hygiene and the sleep hygiene, the new buzzwords, um, to do all those things and to practice self-compassion. So by doing all those things, you're continuously filling yourself up so you can kind of do all those other things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, well, Stacey, we are running out of time. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. Number one, I would love for you to share with us just your like top number one tip on how to become empowered and uplifted. And then after that, you can tell us all about where we can find you. Okay. Well, I love the deep breathing and doing the deep breathing properly throughout the day so you feel refreshed and you could kind of take on the world. Um, the grounding. I also love, and it's not for everyone, but the journaling and writing things down. And it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't even really have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody but you. Um, and it could be something you might want to share with your therapist or your, your partner or whoever. But writing things down can be so helpful. Um, And of course, recognizing what you're good at, acknowledging your positive achievements all the time, not believing those negative thoughts. When they pop in, question them. You don't have to believe them. So those are just some. Um, Again, my website is namastacy.net, which is N-A-M-A-S-T-A-C-I-E.net. And um, let's see what else. I guess you can find me on Instagram at namastacy underscore Boyer, B-O-Y-A-R. And um, you can contact me there with any questions, comments, concerns. And thank you again so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. Oh, thank you, Stacey. I can say the same. It was an absolute joy to have you on the show. Thank you. Welcome back, beautiful listeners. I hope that this interview was of light and service to you. I'm certainly still beaming. And I, as always, if you want to reach out to me or you have questions or you want me to bring back a guest that you've enjoyed this season or you've got a particular topic that you want me to cover either this season or coming seasons, always feel free to reach out to me at info at nourishingpaths.com. You can, of course, always visit my website, nourishingpaths.com, or you can check out my Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a wonderful review and a five-star comment because this is how other listeners can find us. And thank you so much for joining me for another beautiful episode of You Uplifted. I will talk to you again next Monday.